0: Welcome back to Deja View, the show where we talk about films and their lasting impacts. I'm Sydney Brumfield. And I'm Therese Kenirons. Today, we will be talking about the 1991 film, My Own Private Idaho. Inspired
1: by William Shakespeare's Henry IV, but the film itself is written and directed by Gus Van Sant. My Own Private Idaho tells the story of Mike, played by River Phoenix, and Scotty, played by Keanu Reeves, as as they navigate life being hustlers
0: and outcasts living on the fringe of society. Wow. There's just so much to unpack with this film, I feel like. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> like Hustlers is a very nice way to put it, but like yeah. they're <laughs> they're bas- they are sex workers, but like not yeah. It's like they do other things, like commit armed robbery and like Yeah, they kind of like they they kind of
1: um really inhabit this bohemian life. Yeah. where they you know, they they take they, they think it's fun to rob
0: rich people,
1: which, you know, slay, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, my initial impression of the film is that I found it incredibly, like, fascinating. I don't know. It's... it's. I thought the pacing was excellent. Mm-hmm. The editing and, like, the cinematography. Yes. Was, oh, it was uh. so good. Like, maybe one of my favorite ones that we've watched this semester, just visually. Yeah, visually. It was so gorgeous. So strong. And I love that the film didn't stray away from like the sort of absurdist elements that can sometimes be found in like, you know, more low-budget films like this, where like the, I, don't, I think the most prominent one is like during any intimate or like sex scene they were just like yes. freeze framed Yes, I wrote all about uh, that. Yeah, and um, I think the acting was also just so strong. Like all in all, a great film. Even like aside from how queer it is,
1: yes, uh, I loved I loved the cinematography and the stylistic choices. Um, I loved the like the motifs that kept coming back, mm-hmm. and I loved um, that it was so unique. And at times, it was like stylized, where I thought it was as if you were watching a painting yes. instead of watching a film. Oh, it was it was just lovely, like. The sex, the sex scenes with the stills, mm-hmm. really, like, wow. And also, like, the clouds throughout. Yes. The cloud motif throughout really, like, was so
0: emotional. Absolutely. I think, really, the acting performances alone would be able to evoke that sort of emotion from a viewer. Right. But the cinematography almost elevates it in a way, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I think the dialogue in this film is also probably one of my favorite elements, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's it's a choice definitely to decide to maintain with Shakespearean dialogue at right. times, yeah. And it doesn't work for a lot of films. Uh-huh. Like, there's, I think the most prominent one that I think of is like the Oz Lerman's Romeo yes, and Juliet. Yes, of course. You knew exactly where I was going. <laughs> I and, don't like that movie. <laughs> yeah, it 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 doesn't really work. I don't I don't yeah. think in that one. But in this one, you know, it's not consistently Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. But when it really leans into that, I think it's absolutely brilliant in in this piece
1: yeah like especially the scene at the end um where where bob approaches scotty and he just like completely um like rejects him Mm -hmm. like like i didn't realize that that was shakespearean dialogue until after when i was reading up about the use of the Shakespearean and like that's what made me realize that the whole movie had it like it was so like skillfully placed that I didn't even realize at first I just thought that they were talking like very stylized yeah you think it's like
0: performance based in a way because like so many elements of this film are performance heavy oh yeah exactly and you know I also just loved the dialogue is balancing this very heavy Shakespearean influence. Right. But then also it's incredibly dry and witty, which mm-hmm. like I loved. Because this movie takes you to such dark places yeah. that I admired its ability, you know, to like make you laugh at times. You know, mm-hmm. like there's that interaction. It's a little bit like into the second act where um, Mike and Scotty have like just broken down on like the, the motorcycle on the mm-hmm. side of the road. Uh, and the cop comes up and is like, you know, like, what's wrong with your friend? And it's like, <laughs> it just—I don't think he likes cops very much. Just yeah. like, it just like—it just keeps rolling. You know, it doesn't—it doesn't break the like, the momentum that the film has. And uh-huh. you know, I just really admired its ability to be funny, despite, especially in the end, taking you to such dark places. Yeah. Ugh. So good.
1: It was just—it was just so so lovely, <laughs> so, so like, their their dialogue is so natural yeah despite it being so stylized yeah which is crazy because you, they don't like shakespearean is not natural <laughs> like yeah. especially now not the 90s like it's not gonna sound natural but it they just do it in a way that it does yeah amazing what right your friend i don't know i guess he doesn't like cops oh yeah I mean, that's how it looks
0: I found Mike and Scotty's relationship just like so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, I want to peel back the layers of that. What did you think of them? Okay, so <laughs> I have a lot of opinions
1: about this. Um, Mike might be my favorite character in any film Yeah. after watching this one. Um, I He's got a big heart and, a, and he's got a good head on him yeah. and he knows what he wants out of life even when everything is, like, the worst for him, like, nothing is going his way. And Scott, on the other hand, (laughs) he's had everything he's ever wanted handed to him, and he openly evades the law (laughs) because he thinks he can, because of his dad. And he, like, he cares about Mike. Like, I feel like he does genuinely care about Mike. Yeah. uh, Especially in the first half of the movie. Yeah. But... Like, as soon as he meets Carmella, Uh, he completely forgets about everything. And then he leaves him in Rome alone. His narcoleptic, quote-unquote, best friend. Yeah. Alone. Yeah, he leaves him in Italy where he doesn't... Like, Mike doesn't speak Italian. Mike can, like, sometimes barely speak English. Like, at the best of times. Like, and you're gonna leave him in Rome? What? When the whole point was... Ugh, no. Ugh. The turning point was definitely the campfire scene Uh, uh, because you realize from that moment on that it's not a love story and it's not going to be one. Yeah. And you like, oh, I was watching that scene. I know we, we talk about it later, but like, I was watching that scene and when he was like, like, when Mike confesses his love for him and he's like... We can
0: bring it up now. I mean, the campfire scene between the two of them broke my heart in pieces. It was so... Like, the dialogue is so heartfelt and so authentic. Like, it it feels so real. I was not okay after watching it.
1: No, yeah, it broke me. It really takes so much to admit to your best friend that you're in love with him. And then he admits that he's not even gay. He's not even gay. He's just like playing with your life because like he wants to be exciting before he inherits his money. Like, are you kidding me? It was, it was heart wrenching. I wanted to cry for him. I am a Scott hater. (laughs) I am a Scott hater. Justice for Mike. This, it was so mad. It was so bad. Like, like when Scott just like, Like, he just doesn't sweep Mike off his feet and carry him away, and then they go live happily with their... No, because we can't have that. Because we can't have anything.
0: No, and I mean, that gets into, like, the queer representation that I think, you know, My Private Idaho is getting into this trope that I have at least seen a lot in queer media, which is just, like, queer tragedy. Yes. Like, God forbid, gay people can have anything. It feels like so much of like queer media or even just like queer, queer films that have been moderately successful is mm-hmm. highlighting, you know, gay people just like go through so much tragedy. They're always just like crying or dying, mm-hmm. just not thriving all not around.
1: Thriving.
0: And like, it's, ah, it's so frustrating because that scene is so beautiful and heartfelt. And, you know, it's highlighting also just like this dichotomy in society where, you know, like Scott is such a, But, because he's like, he's worse than that. Where he, you know, says point blank, you know, I don't believe two men can love each other. Yeah, oh,
1: (laughs) that, oh, I didn't even
0: bring that up. It's like, oh, it's literally, like, I wanted to punch a hole in my wall. I was like, no, don't say that. It's like, he's like, I can only, I can only ever be with a man for money. And it's like, oh my god, Oh my Uh, god, why would you say that?
1: What uh, if, what if you didn't say that, actually?
0: Well, and it it makes me wonder, you know, like, how much is, is Scott, like, true with himself all the time? You know, like, how much of Scott's life Mm. is performance heavy? You know, I don't know. Like, he's such a, you know, I don't feel like we see a lot into his, like, personal psyche. We see his actions and what he ends up doing throughout the film. Right. But- you know, in terms of what Scott actually wants and thinks, you know, I believe that he is in love with Carmella. Yes. Yeah. But I I can't believe that he feels nothing for Mike. Um, I
1: can believe he feels nothing for Mike because Scott is every cishet man who paints his nails and thinks that excuses him from being misogynistic. Oh Scott is set up with an amazing life, but because he doesn't need to be responsible until his inheritance hits, he cosplays as an impoverished person living on the street when he doesn't need to live that life at all. And And he pretends to be their friend. And he says, yeah, when I get my money, I'm going to set you all up. And then he runs away and doesn't help any of them. Because he sucks. Uh, And I don't like him. You're so right. But, like, I don't know. I think Scott is not, like, the villain of this film. Yeah. (laughs) I just wish he was the villain of this film. Yeah. (laughs) Because I want to call him the villain of this film. I don't know. I feel like... Like, you could spin it to say that he was queer, but he wouldn't admit to it because of his dad. Which, like, I could believe if he wasn't surrounded by queer men who would accept him. And also, like, the campfire scene, his dad's not there. Yeah. Like, why would he say that? And then he isn't gay. He just... Like, he just wants to be different to mess with his dad. Like, when he shows up to his office with the collar on. Like, it's a joke to him. It's not not real life. It's a game.
0: Again, kind of going into how just so much of his life is performance-based, I feel like. Performing either for his dad or even just for himself, I feel like. Uh, And a lot of that, I think, plays into his use of, like... He, especially as a character, uses so much Shakespearean dialogue. Oh, yeah. Like, almost every other line out of this guy. But just, like... Looking at Mike and Scotty, like it kind of just makes me appreciate, Like I'm so happy, you know, it's not like so many great queer films are coming out now, mm-hmm. but at least more mainstream, happy queer films are coming out right now. Like right now we have Bros that's in theaters, yes. and you know, Fire Island came out this summer, and, and they're both just so incredibly uplifting and um, wonderful and lovely that, you know, I did really enjoy my own private Idaho, but like, I'm so tired of watching queer people suffer like in yeah. film. I'm kind
1: of over it. This film was kind of a suffering fest. Yeah, um, it wasn't like triggering, and there was no yeah. AIDS. So you know, you, you know, know what? What? no AIDS. <laughs> I because when I saw it's 1990, I'm like, there could be AIDS in this. It's there, not
0: past the realm of possibility. Yeah, I was like, like there film. could
1: there could be AIDS in this. Yeah. Um, and there were no AIDS, so you know, that's a win. Um, but I was suffering. I, I cried almost yeah. the entire runtime of this film. I don't
0: know, whatever. What? What do I mean to you? What do you mean to me? Mike, you're my best friend. Mike as
1: a character. Yeah, we didn't talk about Mike as a character.
0: Mike is really fascinating to me because something i did really like is that he's not solely defined by his queerness Mm -hmm. you know i feel like that really does come up kind of well the campfire scene is about like 40 minutes into the movie so i think that's really when it comes to like the forefront of the film of oh like this is why mike you
1: -hmm. know i think there's a there's a
0: level of their friendship but this is why mike follows scotty around you know like he's he's hopelessly in love with him yeah. But, like, you know, Mike's so much more than that. And you kind of brought this up when you were talking about, like, you know, like, him being your favorite character in film yeah. ever. Um, he's also just so fascinating, I feel like, because of the use of narcolepsy with his character. Yeah. And, like, the way he almost disassociates in stressful situations yeah. is so fascinating to me. And how they depict it also in this film goes back to the incredible cinematography and, like, use of editing. In, yes. Oh so good. It, it's
1: wonderfully stylized. And yeah. uh, him having narcolepsy is, like, a big element that moves the plot forward. Yeah. But while also being, like, a nice background for his character so you understand more about him without everything need to be explicitly said. Like, you know that bad things have happened to him yeah. throughout his whole life. Like, yeah. you just know that because of the use of like flashback and when he passes out like yeah. what situation he passes out like um i i know like the first time it was like really clear to me like what was going on with him was when he passes out in the woman's house mm-hmm. when scotty and the other guy are there I forget yeah. his name i and i
0: don't really think they name him like yeah. they say his name loosely.
1: I think my Amazon Prime said that he was like digger or something. I love like, it. He looked like, like, like a digger. A, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um. But yeah, like, uh, when yeah when he's when he faints in that old woman's house because something reminds him of his mom. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, like bad stuff happened with his mom. Yeah. And like, oh, and then they finally find his brother in yeah. Idaho. Yeah. Oh, that, that scene seemed... made me. Actually, want to vomit. Actually. I I
0: got like so sweaty, like yeah. like so anxious and so sweaty. I did actually pause it there. Yeah. It's like it's, I think, what this film does well, you know, like it's I do think very trauma heavy for queer people. Yeah. It you know as we were saying like in the first episode with Pride, at least it doesn't like show oh, the yeah. horrible things that you know it's talking
1: about. Yeah. There's there's no tr- there's no like grotesque, yeah. like, performance of agony and, yeah. like, pain, yeah. Um, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to watch it.
0: Yeah, and, it, it like, yeah. I almost feel like it makes it more impactful to the story that you're watching unfold right now. You right. know, like, this is years after this happened to Mike. Yeah. Uh, and I just think it's so fascinating. I think Mike, you could do an entire character study on because of how yes. much, like does he actually remember does he not what is he choosing to repress within his own psyche that makes him have narcoleptic episodes it's yeah. so fascinating to me why does he desperately want to find his mom if she did right. all
1: these terrible things to him
0: right like that's that's what takes them to the hotel where they say like where they meet right. Hans who's also oh, like a Hans. really funny like you know comedic yeah. motif throughout the film um, his musical number in the hotel room with the lamp <laughs> That had me dying. I was like, what is happening? But, you know, it. You know, Mike looking for his mom takes them to the hotel, takes them to Italy, which right. is where Scott meets Carmella. Like, none of the plots of the film would happen without him, like, without Mike, who was the him in that sentence, yeah. trying to, you know, find his mother. And it's, like, right. what drives a person to still crave, you know, that maternal love even after you know, he's aware of these horrible things that were done to him.
1: Yeah, and, like, that's why I love Mike so much, because he's so, like, compassionate. Yeah. And he really, like, does love Scott. Like, even after Scott leaves him in Rome, which I will not get over. (laughs) um, Yeah, he he leaves him in Rome. He he flies back. Well, because he tries to do sex work in Italy, and it doesn't work out for him. And then he goes back to the U.S., and um when he sees scott on the street like he knows not to approach him yeah because he knows that he'll be like like swatted off yeah. but he just like watches him from afar
0: which is almost even more heartbreaking which is even worse like than, yeah. you know mike's aware where he stands in the hierarchy of scott's yeah. priorities and like uh, it it literally breaks my heart. Yeah. Because all I feel like all Mike is searching for is that family. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, that's his goal, yeah. you know, with looking for his mom when he finds his brother. You know, even, like, when he stays with Scott in Italy. Yeah. Even though he's, like, listening to him and Carmella have, like, sex in the room next door. Literally. Like, he's just looking for that place to call home. Yeah. You know, and I think that ties so heavily back into the you know, the title of, like, my own private Idaho, you know, like, whatever reality that Mike can fabricate to keep himself safe, he'll try and hold on to, and that's so heartbreaking. And, like,
1: his own private Idaho is also, like, because obviously he has, like, the memories that play in his head from Idaho, but I think it's also, like, a double meaning, Mm because I think it also means, like, the road in Idaho that's his...
0: Yeah, like with that, the that looks like a messed up face. I those it's uh, such a brilliant bookend. Also, the it's, fact that that's where the film starts, but due to the use of narcolepsy, when you're watching the film, I feel like you have no idea that you're actually looking at like the last scene in the movie right, in the beginning. Yeah. You're like, oh, he was passed out on some road in Idaho. Yeah, now he's back in you know like Seattle. Like well, S- Portland, Portland, Portland. The other, the other what? big city on the yeah, west coast. there's literally two to, yeah. in the
1: top region. Portland. Yeah. When he
0: gets back to Portland, you're just like, oh, you know, like, passed out and woke up here. Versus, then you get to the end of the film, you're like, oh my god.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, what is up?
0: What is down? Like,
1: ugh. Uh, I, I just, I liked that they weren't afraid to make it a little bit absurd. Like, yeah. Like, absurdist elements in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It worked so, so well, I feel like, for this film, and yeah. again, made it strong aside from its queerness. Yes. And also, I feel like it was very, like, authentic to all of the narratives that it, it teased out and worked through. Yes,
1: I 100% agree.
0: What uh, would you rate this film, looking back
1: at it? Um, so, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. <laughs> Follow me on Letterboxd. And it was, it was stunning to watch. Yeah. Oh. It was, it was a wonderful watch. I really, my eyes enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but oh my God, I'm so tired of being sad. Yeah. And watching sad gay movies where sad gay boys end up dead or crying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I gave it a four out of five. Cause in the end it kind of wins me over with Bob's funeral like, yeah. just, like, the sheer joy that I feel like is on Mike's face when he's still with his community. Yeah. Like, I have to, even though we see him pass out on the road in Idaho at the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I have to assume that he's going to be okay, but that's me putting my own (laughs) impressions on it. The film doesn't make you think that. I want to think that. Yeah, it's like, who picked him
1: up and put him in the
0: car? I know. Who did that? (laughs) Who did it?
1: Uh, And he has no bag. He's got no shoes. No shoes. (laughs) They take his shoes. They took his shoes. They took his shoes, and then immediately someone takes him. Are you kidding? And now I have to sleep. I know. I've got to sleep after that. Uh. What?
0: Well, with that That sad last note in the film, thank all of you so much for tuning in and joining Teresa and I. Be sure to come back in a couple of weeks to hear us discuss more queer media.
1: Bye, queers.
0: Check out the theithecan.org for more interesting and creative content. You can listen to any of the ithican podcasts wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at theithecan.org. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.